Ladies and gentlemen, in the red corner, hailing from the state of Nevada, representing the steam and wise guys, it's the always feared Vegas Odds Maker! And in the blue corner, the crowd favorite from South Florida, Mark Winning Picks Lawrence! And now, let's get it on! Against the spread, Winning Picks with Mark Lawrence! Welcome back, everybody. Once again, this is Mark Lawrence along with Victor King, and we're all set to go against the spread on this week number 10 in the National Football League, weeks 10 and 11 in college football, and I got to say, it's just flying by fast. Along with Victor King joining me here on the podcast, we're going to discuss the college and the pro football side of things this weekend, and with that, I want to welcome in our co-host, Victor King. Victor, how are you doing with the college and pro football seasons flying right by right now as we speak today? So far, so good, Mark. A winning weekend for us in college football with a 2-1 and totals day on Saturday. And let's see here, Sunday, yeah, we hit our four-star NFL over the week for the third consecutive week in a row, and that was in the Chargers-Eagles game with a 27-24 final score. Not the best week for the totals tip sheet, but a good uh, weekend for our King Creole game day service as uh, it looks like it was for you as well with a nice profitable weekend in college football in the NFL. And obviously, the most important thing for our clients is to give them a profitable weekend, number one. But number two is to hit it, hit the big games, the bigger games, the best bets, the games in which the handicapper is stepping out. And I see that you did that uh, on Saturday with your college game of the week, which was on Wyoming, an outright home dog win against Colorado State. And then also on Sunday in the NFL, it looks like it was the perfect system game of the year in the NFL on the Atlanta Falcons, an outright winner over the Saints. And I don't know about you, Mark, but it seems like you got a really good handle on these NFC South division games, knowing when to play on or against the Buccaneers and the Saints uh, and the Falcons. Yeah, we've had a real good feel, Victor, for the NFC South this football season. It started last year when Tampa Bay won the South and went on to go on to win the Super Bowl, obviously. But the reason I like the NFC South is they're very competitive football teams. Uh, They don't change complexion a whole lot. And with that, the continuity is there. The head coaches, uh, we don't get a whole lot of coaching changes. Matt Rule came in uh, to Carolina, if you will, a couple of years ago. But all in all, that's one of the comfort zones I have when it when it comes to handicapping the National Football League, is going to a division where I know there are football teams that I feel good about. And we felt pretty good about the Falcons last week, obviously. You know, it's probably as much of a play against New Orleans as anything after they had just upended Tampa Bay for the third time in four games since Tom Brady has been with Tampa Bay. Uh, That's been his Achilles heel, if you will, that football team. Nonetheless, uh, we're mighty, mighty Big fans of Matt Ryan these days for at least a week anyway, until we see what happens this weekend. Talking about uh, what happened last weekend, it was also the college football rankings. The playoff rankings came out once again. And with that, uh, we saw four new teams enter into the top 25. Those were number 19, Purdue, number 23, UTSA, number 24, Utah, and number 25, Arkansas. Not a whole lot of uh, juggling, if you will, per se, with the other uh, other 21 teams 
other than a couple of repositioning and so forth and whatnot. But the interesting thing I see here, Victor, is uh, when you're talking about what you see today for the top four teams in the college football playoff, the four teams that are there now and which four teams will be there in the end, uh, what you're seeing here is a one-loss Michigan team and a one-loss Ohio State team. Michigan uh, on the outside looking in, but uh, creeping in, if you will. And it it's not going to happen with both of those teams making the playoffs because they each have one loss if they go on to meet each other in the conference championship game. Somebody loses and somebody has two losses, and it's adios. So, you know, Ohio State may not make the playoffs. Whoever it is that plays in that playoff game is going to have to win it to go on to the college football playoff. Just that plain and simple. So my best guess right now, if I had to look forward to the four teams that would be playing in the college football playoff, I would cast my votes for Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, and Oklahoma the four football teams that uh, everybody thought would be there in the beginning of the football season. So we'll see how that all shakes out. And there's another aspect of college football, Victor, that uh, I want to ask your opinion on here. When when I was doing the newsletter this week, uh, we had written up the Charlotte-Louisiana Tech game, and the first question I posed to the readers was, quick question, no Googling, can you tell me what conference these two teams reside in, Louisiana Tech and Charlotte? And I have to stop and think, and thank goodness I have uh, my ESPN college football standings, <laughs> because between the uh, Conference USA the, and the American Athletic Conference and those uh, the, the Sunbelt Conference, you never know where things are going. But as I understand, there's going to be quite a bit of poaching that's going to be happening in the world of college football soon. Right. In fact, for the last three months, that's all it's been, a big, huge game of musical chairs So here we are, what, Wednesday, November 10th, and we'll try to make a little bit of sense if I can run through this very, very quickly. Of course, it started way back on July 30th when both Texas and Oklahoma decided they wanted to go to the SEC or extended invitation. Now, my own personal opinion is I think the SEC should maybe clean house first. I talk about a team like Vanderbilt. Remember the great James Franklin years of 2014 and earlier? Vanderbilt is kind of showing these days that they – They can't compete in the SEC. They've gone 29-63 straight up since 2014, since he left uh, to go to Penn State. Vanderbilt's gone 10-52 straight up in conference play. That's a winning percentage of only 161. And in fact, in the last three years, they've gone 1-21 in conference play. I don't know if they can compete in the SEC anymore. But that's the domino that started this whole thing was OU and Texas bolting from the Big 12 to the SEC. Of course, in response, the Big 12 decided to do some poaching of their own, specifically to the AAC conference, capturing three huge programs in Cincinnati, Houston, and Central Florida, and also adding a fourth in independent BYU. So Big 12 replaces Texas OU with four new schools. And for the first time in a long time, there's actually going to be 12 teams in the Big 12. Wow, which is nice. nice. <laughs> <laughs> then we got uh, AAC doing their share of poaching in response to losing three teams. They decided to poach six teams from Conference USA, those six teams being Charlotte, FAU, North Texas, Rice, UAB, the Roadrunners of Texas San Antonio, to replace uh, the teams that they lost. That's the AAC. So now with so many teams fleeing from Conference USA. Uh, in fact, a couple more teams have bolted and decided to go to the Sunbelt Conference, those teams being Marshall, Old Dominion, and Southern Miss. 
Not only that, but uh, James Madison gets the call from the minor leagues, in this case the FCS, to join the budding Sunbelt Conference, who's trying to uh, acquire a 16-team super conference, if you will. Uh, Also perhaps bolting from Conference USA, and this is the only area where it's still a little bit gray, is the fact that both Western Kentucky and Middle Tennessee State were expected to be invited to the MAC, and in fact, both were to the MAC conference. Uh, this is something Western Kentucky has wanted for a while, is they love the uh, great ESPN national conf- uh, uh, contract, the national exposure with the MACTION games that are played on Tuesdays and Wednesdays and Thursdays. So Western Kentucky was pretty geared up to go to the MAC. Middle Tennessee State, we find out today on Wednesday, they're backpedaling a little bit. The Blue Raiders have decided they do not want to go into the uh, MAC Conference and instead want to play in that revamped Conference USA. Uh, Obviously, allegiances in regards to the uh, region mean a lot to Middle Tennessee State. So uh, not only that, but uh, on the break of disillusion, Conference USA added four more programs, Independence, Liberty, and New Mexico State, and they also kind of reached into the minor leagues and grabbed FCS members Jacksonville State and Sam Houston State. So where are we right now? The AAC has lost three teams, and they're going to be gaining six teams. The Big 12 Conference losing two teams, gaining four teams. Conference USA losing eight teams, adding four teams. The MAC Conference losing zero teams, adding potentially zero or one or two teams. Uh, finally, the Southeastern Eastern Conference adding OU and Texas. And then, of course, the Sun Belt Conference losing zero teams, but adding four teams. It's been a bunch of musical chairs for three months. Poaching left and right, but that's where we stand today on Wednesday, November 10th, Mark. Wow, well, a lot that remains to be seen. Uh, I don't know when this will happen, Victor, probably after the bowl games are over, but looks like we're going to be looking at a different college football world starting next football season here when they expand a lot of these various conferences. Just a quick note before we hop over to the NFL side of things, another unique stat that I came across, and uh, I kind of like these, I call them bar bet type stats, And uh, when you take a look, I was looking at the midweek alert coming up for this week. And uh, when you look at the rankings of the teams, the number one best team in the country, Georgia Bulldogs, the number 130th worst team in the country, UMass. And the one common denominator that these two teams have in common is this. If you look at Georgia, they are out yarding their opponents 198 yards a game. You look at UMass, they are being out-yarded 198 (laughs) yards a game. (laughs) That's a good one. Yes, it is. (laughs) So I would say it's safe to say there's close to a 400-yard gap between these two football teams. And with it, Walt Bell has been uh, dismissed from UMass uh, because of the the abomination of what's happened to that football program. We'll see exactly where that goes uh, come next football season. A lot of work to do there at UMass. Let's hop over to the NFL side of things where – it's getting really, really salty right now with the college, or I'm sorry, with the NFL playoff picture evolving, if you will. But I know, Victor, passing the midway point of the season, you were telling me you've got some midway stats that you'd like to, or midway of midseason stats, I should say, that you'd like to share with our listeners out there on the show today. 
You know, before I get into it, this last weekend in the NFL, uh, we had a hard time coming up with a adjective to best describe it. Unreal, unpredictable, unfathomable. How can you explain a 16-point dog winning outright, a 10-point dog, a 7.5-point dog, and a 6.5-point dog all winning outright? Another great week for underdogs. They went 10-4 and four against the spread. And in fact, in the last two weeks in the NFL, underdogs are 28 and one that is amazing for the year 77 and 58 against the spread road dogs better at 51 and 31 at 62 percent i've got a 10 one and one ats situation from this season alone and it applies to two games this particular week that would be non-division road dogs taking on any 500 or better opponent coming in off a loss 10 one and one ats this year it applies to two teams this week. In that situation, Atlanta plus the points against Dallas and Seattle plus the points against Green Bay. From what I see in the Playbook newsletter, I think Mark agrees with both of those as well. Uh, I've got your NFL eye-popping stat of the week here. Uh, this one kind of blew me away, and it's how bad the Philadelphia Eagles' pass defense has been this season. In fact, the Eagles are allowing a pass completion rate of 75.5%. It's the highest through a team's first nine games in NFL history. Uh, Mr. Accurate, Teddy Bridgewater, could go off, but that is just, that's dead last in the NFL. And as I mentioned, it's uh, number one in NFL history. 755 wow. pass completion percentage. People have been throwing all day long on the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, finally, Mark, you mentioned the um, in terms of the over-unders, third consecutive low-scoring week in a row in the NFL. The last three weeks we've seen 42.7 points per game, 45.7, and 44.6. A lot more uh, overs than unders on the season, 61 overs, 74 unders. That's 55% under the total across the board in the NFL. And in the totals tip sheet, we also do this uh, mid-season review looking at this year's different um, gains and falls on offense. For an example, the biggest fall on offense this year is easily the Houston Texans, a team who was averaging 24 points per game last year with Deshaun Watson, at quarterback, down to 14.2 this year. That's almost a 10-point-per-game fall for the Houston Texans this is a little bit surprising. Green Bay is another team that's almost down 10 full points from last year. They were a 31.5 scoring team last year. They've only scored 22.1 this year. That's minus 9.4 for the Green Bay Packers. Miami games are down minus 8.1 in scoring from last year to this year. Detroit, a touchdown less, minus 6.8 points per game for Detroit. Pittsburgh Steelers, also minus 6.5 points per game compared to last year. Chicago Bears, minus 5.8. Seattle, minus 5.6. And Kansas City, minus 4.5 points per game compared to last year for the Chiefs. In terms of the biggest gains in offensive scoring, that one's pretty easy. It's the Cincinnati Bengals. Joe Burrow's having a great year. They're scoring 26.2 points per game. That's six points higher than last year for the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, the Rams' numbers are up. Everybody knows that. 29 points per game compared to 23.3 last year. Dallas's numbers are up, plus 5.4 with a healthy Dak Prescott compared to last year. Arizona, 
uh, one of the best records in the NFL. Their scoring is up by plus 5.2 points per game as well. And finally, the New England Patriots uh, scoring more points this year on offense with a great running game and a uh, probably the best rookie quarterback of the bunch thus far. They're up plus 5.2 points per game. So there you have it. Um, we even uh, go a little bit further if you check out this week's Total's Tip Sheet newsletter. And finally, Mark, i got to mention the Playbook newsletter. I see 36, 20, and 1 on the season. And that's what I'm talking about. That's a 64% winning percentage for the Playbook Football Best Bets. That's a nice review from Victor about what's happened in the National Football League as we cross the midway point of the season. And thanks for the shout-out to the Playbook Football Newsletter as well. Hopefully we can have just as strong of a second half as we've had in the first half. Before we go to a break here, just a quick review, if we do, like I like to do every Uh, every week at this time of the year. The teams currently involved in the NFL playoff picture. These would be the teams that would be in the playoffs should the playoffs start this weekend. Number one seeds would be Tennessee and Arizona. And they, by the way, would have the week, the bye week. There's only one bye week now with the playoffs, with the season expanding to 17 weeks. Uh, And they expanded to seven teams in the playoffs last year. So the bye teams, the number one seeds, Tennessee and Arizona. Number two seeds would be Baltimore and Green Bay, uh, they would be playing the number seven seeds. Uh, number three seeds would be the L.A. Chargers and Tampa Bay, who would be taking on the number six seeds. The number four seeds would be Buffalo and Dallas, who would be taking on the number five seeds, Las Vegas and the L.A. Rams, respectively. The number six seeds, the Pittsburgh Steelers and New Orleans Saints. And finally, making the playoffs, number seven seeds, the New England Patriots and the Atlanta Falcons. Just on the outside looking in, number eight is the Kansas City Chiefs and the Carolina Panthers. Number nine, the Cleveland Browns and the Minnesota Vikings. And rounding out the top ten, it would be the Cincinnati Bengals and the Seattle Seahawks. That's the way the NFL playoff picture shapes up heading into this weekend. Don't go away, guys. When we come back, we're going to tear down our college football game of the week. We're going to go inside the Big 12 Conference. We've got a dandy on tap. We'll do that when we come back with more here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. The only football newsletter in America devoted exclusively to NFL over-under totals. The totals tip sheet is a must-read if you're serious about adding extra income to your bankroll this football season. Get exclusive insight on the overs and unders from Victor King, the NFL totals guru, and enjoy the winners. You're listening to Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. Now, back to the action. Hey, everybody. Welcome back once again. Mark Lawrence and Victor King. We're going against the spread on this week's College and Pro Football Cards. And it's time for our College Football Feature Game of the Week inside the Big 12 Conference. We'll take a look at the Oklahoma Sooners and the Baylor Bears, a matchup of two high-ranking teams in the College Football Playoff Rankings. Victor, how do you see it shaking out between the Sooners and the Bears? 12 noon Eastern, McLean Stadium, Waco, Texas. This is uh, one of only three games this week in which both teams are ranked in the top 20. And we've got uh, Oklahoma favored by five and a half to six points. The over-under line opened at 63. It's come down about a half to 62 and a half as the current number. So we've got the uh, number one and number two ranked teams in the Big 12 in both total yards on offense and points scored on offense we have two teams who are each six and three over under on the season 
Just on those numbers alone, one would possibly think that we'll see another shootout this week. We'll decide, dissect the numbers a little bit more. With Oklahoma 6-3 and three over under record, their average game has gone over by plus 4.3 points per game. Baylor's average game has gone over by plus 5.6 points per game. With that said, I'm liking me some under action. You know, we talked about uh, the Baylor head coach uh, earlier in the podcast, oh, I think a couple of weeks ago, Dave Aranda, the rising star in coaching circles, if you will, uh, previously defensive coordinator at Wisconsin, previously defensive coordinator at LSU, and a guy I kind of consider as the, since you mentioned him at the top of the show, I consider him the the current Matt Rule of college football, which is in itself a little bit ironic because Matt Rule also coached at Baylor, like Dave Aranda, and Temple as well. But I like what the guy has done on defense. It's not a great defense for Baylor, but they're only allowing 20.6 points per game on the season. That's an improvement by over nine points from last year. And again, we can tie that directly uh, to Aranda and the program he's running there at Baylor. For Oklahoma, a lot of their offensive numbers are padded. They're going to start a three-game quagmire here against the three best defenses in the Big 12. So this is easily the best defense the Sooners have faced this season. They've not played Oklahoma State yet. They've not played Iowa State yet. They'll be playing those two teams in their next two games. So we're going to definitely look for those gaudy offensive numbers to come back down to earth in the next three weeks. The uh, uh, Bears team against, uh, I've got the series numbers here. Here you go. And this kind of puts it over the top for us. Despite a very high-scoring conference, each of the last three games of this series have gone under the total. Average line, 64.8. Average score, 53.0. Average margin, minus 11.8 points per game. When our sample size is small, the significant thing is the margin. And again, in this particular case, the average game between these two teams has gone under by more than double digits. And that's the way we're going. Currently playing the under at 62.5, Oklahoma-Baylor. Again, 12 noon Eastern in Waco, Texas. We're looking to go low with the Sooners and the Bears. Victor likes the under in the Oklahoma-Baylor matchup on Saturday, a marquee game obviously featured in the Big 12 Conference. Taking a look at the Oklahoma Sooners, who started out really slow. In fact, they started out so slow to the point where they find themselves really scratching and clawing to get into the top four in the college football playoff. They did not win any of the votes over, and they're going to have to earn it with some wins moving forward here. Good news for Oklahoma. They are 14-2 and two to the spread as road favorites of eight or fewer points, the role they'll be dressing up in this particular week. My concern, however, when looking inside the midweek alert, I see that they've allowed season-high yards. Oklahoma defense has in two of its last five football games – And in fact, they've coughed up 500 or more yards in two of their last four football games. Digging deeper into the Sooner stats, you see their nine games they played this year, they've outyarded opponents only five times. They're not putting up the type of numbers that warrant a team being in the top four in the college football playoff rankings just yet. They have the ability to do that, but they haven't done it thus far this football season. The upstart Baylor Bears coming into this game here with revenge from last year. They lost 27-14 to in Norman. 
They've taken on the chin seven times in a row in the series, says Baylor. Baylor comes in with an impressive 10-2 and two spread record when they play with conference revenge. They're also 20-5, and five, both straight up and against the spread at home against opponents that come in off a win the last 10 years. That's a pretty strong number, including a perfect 8-0 and o to the spread in those games when they've dressed up as the underdog. I'm going to be on Baylor in this football game for another reason here. It's because of Lincoln Riley and what he doesn't do. And what it is is Lincoln Riley, when he's favored out onto the road with the Sooners against uh, when he's an undefeated team, his teams do not fare well. He's only 9-14 and 14 to the spread, including 0-6 oh to the spread in Big 12 football games. Put it all together, put me on the Baylor Bears plus the points against Oklahoma for my side in the Big 12 showdown on Saturday. Don't go away, guys. When we come back, we're going to jump into our NFL game of the week. We've got a beauty in the AFC conference, and we'll hop out to Las Vegas to get the Vegas vibe from our good friend Andy Isco. When we're back with more here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. All new Playbucks tokens are here. Earn rewards and get up to $100 in free Playbucks tokens to use as you choose. And with your Playbucks tokens, you can use them for Playbook Experts picks and selections. Plus, you earn 20% in free bonus tokens when you do. If you haven't got your $100 in free Playbucks tokens, do so now. You're tuned in to Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. And now, let's throw it back to Mark. Hey, welcome back, everybody. This is Mark Lawrence along with Victor King as we go against the spread on this week's College and Pro Football Cards. And it's time once again to take a look inside the National Football League with our featured NFL Game of the Week. We're going to stay in the AFC Conference in a matchup of two potential playoff teams when the Cleveland Browns travel to New England to take on the upstart Patriots. Victor, are Cleveland Browns and the New England Patriots, how do you see it shaking out? You know, first, Mark, uh, looking at the Patriots, in my opinion, they're one of the teams in the NFL whose record is not indicative of how good they are at 5-4. and four. They should be more like a 6-3 and three team, maybe even a 7-2 and two team. The fact that they've outscored their opponents by 60 points in their nine-game schedule, that's what, an average of 6.6 points per game. Again, that's more indicative of a 6-3 and three or 7-2 and two team uh, that New England is, in my opinion. But I'll get back to the total here, a total that opened at 44 and a half, and it's crossed over that big number of 45 and is now sitting at 45 and a half, meaning some initial push toward the over in this Browns-Patriots game. We've got a Cleveland team that's 5-4 and four over under on the season. New England is 4-5 and five over under on the season. Obviously, breaking down those numbers, not a heck of a lot is revealed. But with that said, the home road splits for these two teams are very, very interesting. And for both teams as well, like for instance, the fact that the Browns home games have averaged only 38.2 combined points per game this year. But on the road, Cleveland games are averaging 57.3 and there's been three overs and only one under. That's almost 20 points per game more on the road in Cleveland Brown road games. And it's just the opposite. Here you go for the New England Patriots, a low-scoring road team. Patriot games have averaged 39.8 points per game on the road this year. But a high-scoring home team, 48.2 points per game, uh, almost 10 points higher at home this year. Based on these uh, splits alone, 
we would obviously consider going over the total in this particular game. In regards to the series, obviously these two teams, they don't you know play each other a lot very often. In fact, only four times in the last 10 years, those games two and two over under, but a fairly high scoring average of 47.6 uh, points per game. In regards to the database, uh, I was doing a little playing around here before the podcast and uh, number one aspect, everybody knows Cleveland hooked up for 41 points on the road against Cincinnati last week, their best offensive output of the season in a fantastic game. Querying that in a Dallas database, um, very interesting. Last three years, 16-4-1 for all NFL teams who just scored 40 more points on the road against a division opponent that applies to Cleveland. And in fact, it's already occurred five times this season, and all five of those games have gone over the total with an average of 60.4 points per game. I certainly realize that Cleveland's defense is playing very, very good uh, these days. I'm sure Mark could say something about that on his portion of the breakdown. Um, With that said, they've allowed, what, less than 17 points in each of their last three games. Number one, consider the opponents, Cincinnati, Pittsburgh, and Denver. But number two, it actually puts them in a very favorable over situation that's gone 9-1-1 to the over since 2015. All game five or greater underdogs who allowed less than 17 points in each of their last three games. That applies to the Cleveland Browns. And for uh, the Patriots, they did a great job of holding down Sam Darnold last week in that road win against Carolina. Obviously, they saw Sam Darnold uh, was seeing ghosts again in that particular game, uh, a game in which they held the Panthers to, I believe, less than seven points. And I've got another one that's gone 5-0 and in our database over the last two years. Again, small sample size. But it's significant nevertheless. Any NFL team off a straight-up and ATS non-division road favorite win in which they allowed seven or less points, that applies to New England in this particular game. I think you can tell which way we're leaning. As you mentioned in the Playbook newsletter, Mark, um, you know, last week New England had a better than 2-to-1 ratio in run play versus pass play. That's not going to happen this week. Uh, not against the number three defense in the NFL, not against the number three rushing defense in the NFL in Cleveland, and not because also New England running backs are hurt this week. They got two guys, they're number one and two. Their current number one and two running backs are still both in concussion protocol in Damian Harris and Ramonde Stevenson. So what does that mean? Probably means more passing plays for New England this particular week. Based on the spread and the over-under line, the implied score is New England 23.5, Cleveland 22. I got it more in our database, according to our models, closer to a 27 to 24 final score, somewhere in the area of 49 to 51 points. And for that reason, we're going over with the Browns and the Patriots. Victor looks for a well-lit scoreboard in Foxborough between the Browns and the Patriots on Sunday as he goes over the total. And as I mentioned earlier in our playoff picture rundown, the Cleveland Browns are back in the playoff race with last week's big win over Cincinnati. That was a confidence-building win by the Cleveland Browns. And they did it all 
I think uh, in an in a factor that's going to end up helping this football team in the end. I'll explain that in just a bit here. The concern for Cleveland this week might be no Nick Chubb for the Cleveland Browns. He's out on COVID-19 protocol and will have to pass two tests between now and the start of the football game to play. If it happens, uh, at least Cleveland does have the depth uh, to replace someone like Nick Chubb. Uh, that's where their strength is in their running game. In fact, the Cleveland Browns rushing offense ranks number three in the National Football League, or number two, I should say. Their rushing defense is number three. And that's what you need to be a good football team. Run the ball, stop the run. The old Bill Parcells theory. Run the ball, stop the run. That's what the Cleveland Browns do. The New England Patriots are on a nice winning roll here right now. 3-0 and straight up and against the spread their last three football games. Looking inside Bill Belichick's coaching league record in his career as a head coach in the National Football League, he has not fared well in games on that run, a 3-0 straight up an ATS run, when he takes on an opponent that comes in off a win and cover. He's just 9-15 against the spread in these particular games. New England also just 1-5 to the spread as non-division home favorites of five or fewer points. They ran the ball 39 times and passed it only 18 times in their win against Carolina last week. They won't be able to get away with that against Cleveland running the ball 39 times, so I'm sure you're going to see a different game plan of Bill Belichick this particular week. One of the reasons I'm looking to the Cleveland Browns here is I think they're going to be a much, much better football team moving forward here without Odell Beckham. They are Odell Beckham free, OBF, the Cleveland Browns right now. And with that, remember last year when they made their strong run into the playoffs, they did it without Odell Beckham. Everybody thought that they may fall apart at the seams, but they only got better. Now he's out of the picture here once again. We saw it with Cincinnati last week, and I'm going to look forward to seeing it again as Cleveland makes their march into the playoffs without Odell Beckham. Odell Beckham free for the Cleveland Browns. And with that, it's time to hop off to Las Vegas to get the Vegas vibe from our good friend Andy Isco, who joins us each and every week from Las Vegas. Andy, how's everything going in Vegas these days? Mark, everything's going really well. We've reached the halfway point of the NFL season. It's hard to believe it goes by so quickly and seems to go by quicker each year. And here we are at the start of college basketball. So one season following another. Baseball ends, college hoops begins. But, of course, the focus will be on the uh, final half of uh, the NFL season where playoff berths and seedings will be determined. And uh, many games this week will have an impact on those uh, seedings. For sure, Andy. It's uh, Again, we talked about it last week, again right now, and it'll continue moving forward. A lot of sports action out there between the NFL, college football, the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL. So if you can't get your fix in the world of sports, you're living in the wrong world this time of the year right now. We're visiting with Andy Isco, our good friend from Las Vegas, publisher of the terrific newsletter, The Logical Approach. Andy, in his newsletter this week, talks about the NFL by the numbers And some interesting numbers, Andy, I read in your newsletter when you sent it over to me today about how NFL teams stand in when they win a game straight up. And if you can explain to our viewers out there just quickly a brief overview of what you did in that particular study, I thought it was really, really interesting. Well, Mark, it's a study that uh, I I do and update every year. And a lot of it has to do, it can be related both to money line plays in various point spread ranges and roles or to playing some of the straight-up contests that a lot of sports books here in Vegas and now nationally and internationally have where you're just looking to pick the straight-up winner of the game. And so what I've done is I have broke down 
the results uh, straight up records by uh, home favorite, road favorite, and then put them in various point spread ranges such as one to three, three and a half to seven, seven and a half to ten, ten and a half to fourteen, and anything greater than fourteen, and, and broke it down and. Uh, clearly, as you would expect, the higher the point spread range, uh, the better the success rate at winning games straight up. But uh, there are a few surprises in here as well. For example, uh, three and a half to seven point uh, favorites, home favorites uh, win 68 percent of the time. And the road favorites in that point spread range, actually about a point and a half, 69.7% of the time they win. So you would think that home favorites might have the edge overall. What I've done in the past is I actually went back to the start of my database, which is 1982. And then uh, what I decided to do this year, and I've done it for some other studies, is I've said, let's go back only to the year 2002. We don't need to know necessarily what happened 40 years ago. Maybe even 20 years uh, is a little bit much going back to 2002. But the key to me for that, the, the reasoning for that is that it was 2002 when we had a structural change in the format of the NFL, when we went to uh, six division from six divisions uh, with differing amounts of teams. I think there were five of them with five and one of them with six. It was when uh, Houston came back into the uh, NFL in, in 2002. Four, div- uh, excuse me, four teams, eight divisions overall. That's been the structure of the NFL uh, since 2002. And so I went to uh, uh, made the decision to go back and went to 2002 and the numbers that I just quoted and what's in the newsletter this week reflect that not much difference actually from prior results, but I wanted to modernize it a little bit and yet have a substantial amount of data in the database. In fact, going back to 2002, over 5,000 games are included in this study. So that's a fair uh, representation of what's happened over the years. Really good stuff, Andy. And if anybody's listening out there, it's really well worth knowing. Check it out out in Andy's newsletter, The Logical Approach. You can log on to subscribe to his newsletter at thelogicalapproach.com. We're visiting with Andy Esco from The Logical Approach, talking about the National Football League as we get the biggest vibe for what's going on this particular weekend. And Andy, I know the contests are in full stride right now as we're talking if you would, as you always do, if you can bring our, listener, our listeners up to speed on what's going on in the Westgate and the circuit contests. Sure, Mark. Let's start with the Westgate. They hold uh, two big uh, tournaments uh, or contests each year. In fact, the third contest called a reboot, which is basically covering the second half of the season, begins uh, this week. It'll be weeks 10 through 18. Of course, there are mini contests run throughout the season. So if you're already in the Super Contest uh, Classic, uh, you've got three more mini contests consisting of three weeks each. We still have three weeks to go in the second of six uh, of a, a six-week, of three six-week contests. We're in the middle six-week period. And then uh, the final six weeks will also constitute a separate contest. But looking overall at the Super Contest Classic, that's the one that's been going on for uh, over 30 years. Drew just under 2,000 participants this year. Uh, the consensus of the top five selections, two and three this past week. It was 21-18-1 heading into this week. The winners uh, this past week were the L.A. Chargers and the New England Patriots, the teams that failed to cover the spread. 
And in fact, all uh, all three uh, lost outright. The 49ers losing at home to Arizona. The Bengals losing at home uh, to the uh, Cleveland Browns. Both of those teams were favored. Houston did miss by a lot. They were underdogs, but they failed to cover in their loss at Miami. So the consensus at 2-3 and three brings the record this year for the top five plays. 23 winners, 21 losers, one push. That works out to just over 52% uh, a winning rate for the consensus. In the Super Contest Gold, that a $5,000 entry fee, winner-take-all, drew 87 contestants this year, so they're all vying for a $435,000 winner-take-all prize. The consensus in this contest last week, also two and three, winners with Cleveland in their uh, ups, mild upset of Cincinnati and Minnesota covered in that overtime loss at Baltimore. However, the three losses, also the number one selection in, uh, in, in both contests, actually, the 49ers. Houston was also a loser. They uh, were one of the top five in the Classic as well. And then a different uh, uh, loser, uh, the Rams, losing outright at home to Tennessee. So the 2-3 and three record uh, in the Super Contest Gold consensus uh, brings uh, that consensus through nine weeks to 24 20 and 2. That's 46 rather than 45 selections, as in one week there was a tie for the fifth most popular selection. So 24, 20, and 2, that's a shade over 54% winners for the consensus. Looking at the standings, beginning with the Super Contest Gold, that's where there are 87 contestants. The leader, 31 and a half of 45 possible points. That's 31, 13, and 1. Good enough for a two and a half game lead or two and a half point lead over one contestant. Contestant and in second with 29 points. A total of 10 contestants are within or at or within five points of the leader, meaning there's one contestant at 26 and a half, trails that single leader at 31 and a half by exactly five games, which means, of course, that uh, uh, one of these uh, 10 contestants uh, will be the leader after this coming week uh, since. Uh, uh, if you have fewer than the 26 and a half, you can only reach 31 and a half, which is what our leader currently has. A little bit of a different story in the Super Contest uh, Classic, where there is one leader with a record of 32, 12, and 1. Uh, that's, uh, by the way, let me just mention that 31 and a half points in the Super Contest Gold leader, 70% for the season. 32, 12, and 1, that's 32 and a half out of a possible 45 points, and that sole leader is hitting at 72.2% for the season, but only a, good enough for a half-game lead over two contestants at 32, five more at 31 and a half, and then three at 31, down to uh, 24 contestants at 28 and a half. So that's uh, uh, just about 80 contestants uh, within four points of the lead in the Super Contest Classic halfway through the season. Uh, looking at the uh, Circa Contest, uh, they have the Circa Millions, which is the contest that uh, is patterned after the Westgate Super Contest, and then the uh, Circa Survivor contest, uh, which I'll get to that uh, in, in a moment. That uh, had a very interesting result uh, this past week. Looking at the Circa Million, five picks a week against the point spread. Consensus going into last week was 24 and 16. That's exactly 60%. And this week, in this past week, uh, that 60% was duplicated. Three and two, which is 60% as well as the consensus winners were on the uh, Patriots, minus three and a half over the uh, Panthers. Chargers, minus one and a half at the Eagles. And the Packers taking seven and a half at Kansas City and uh, just uh, covering uh, that one by a point and a half. The uh, two losers, uh, the most popular play this past week, the 49ers plus one. 
Of course, that line went off with the 49ers about a five-point favorite once it was uh, determined that uh, Kyler Murray was not indeed going to play for the Cardinals. 1,679, about 40, roughly 40% of the field was on uh, San Francisco. That was a loser. The other loser, uh, the Cincinnati Bengals, which was the third most popular selection. So that brings to 27-18, and 18, the record for the consensus in the Circa Million. Now, they did have uh, the uh, end of the second quarter of one of the four quarterly mini contests. Uh, the second quarter consisted actually of five weeks, weeks five through nine. The winner had a record of 21, three, and one. And that was close enough to uh, beat a contestant who was 24 and one. And then third place was taken down by a contestant who was 20 and five against the spread. Uh, that uh, third place contestant won $25,000, as did the contestant who submitted picks for all three weeks and had the worst record. That record was 4-21 and 21, uh, against the uh, spread. So what we're seeing is it takes roughly four and, a 4-1 four and one average for the uh, uh, period, the four- or five-week period should uh, have you in contention, if not outright, win one of those top three prizes. As far as the overall contest is concerned, there are two contestants tied for the lead with a record of 34 and 11. That's 34 out of a possible 45 points, just a fraction over 75% winners. Uh, that's good enough for a half-point lead over four contestants. Two more further back at 33, all the way down to 65 contestants at 29. And as, uh, looking overall, uh, there are 108 contestants hitting at 66 and uh, two-thirds percent or better so the uh, this season. That's 2.6 of the field hitting two out of every three selections. That's a very impressive record out of uh, just under 4,100 entries. Turning to the Circus Survivor, that's the... Uh, Last man standing, king of the hill, however you want to phrase it. Uh, you pick uh, one team each week to win straight up. That contest had a $1,000 entry fee. There were over 4,000 entries, 4,080 to be exact. Uh, that's a huge overlay of about $2 million as there is a $6 million guarantee uh, going to the winner or split amongst uh, multiple winners, if indeed that's the case. Going into last week, only 29% of the field uh, was alive, meaning that of the 4,080 entries, only 1,188 of those entries were alive going into uh, week uh, number nine. Uh, it was a very bad week, as uh, many people know, for the favorites who often draw most of the interest as far as winning these games straight up. And in fact, the, uh, uh, the, the favorites actually won three of the top four selections. The Colts were the most popular selection with 287 out of the 1188. The Steelers on Monday night barely got by with 151 people advancing. And the Ravens on Sunday barely got by, mounting that big comeback against Minnesota and winning uh, in overtime. That was 126 fortunate uh, uh, survivors. Uh, the number two selection, the Buffalo Bills, had 249 uh, pick the Bills to uh, win when they were upset in Jacksonville. They were eliminated, as were 122 that were eliminated with their pick of the Rams over the Falcons. 111 were eliminated with their pick of Dallas uh, in their game against Denver. And then it goes all the way down to 11, uh, lost with the Rams over the uh, Titans. Five with the Raiders against the Giants. Two with the 49ers against the Cardinals. 
one with the Bengals against the Browns. And uh, again, we had uh, a, a non-submission. One contestant was entered because they did not submit a pick. So 502 uh, contestants eliminated uh, last week. That was 42% of the tickets that were alive going into last week. That leaves 686 contestants still alive uh, with uh, uh, the remainder of the season still to go. And remember, in addition to the nine weeks of action, there's also a, a week composed of the three games on Thanksgiving and a week composed of the three games around Christmas, two, uh, one on the, the 23rd and two on Christmas Day. So of the 4,080 contestants, 686 remain. That's just under 17% of all the uh, entrants in the Circus Survivor Contest. Uh, yours truly was eliminated two weeks ago uh, with the uh, Chargers losing to the uh, uh, to the Patriots. Not sure what I would have picked last week, but uh, I wouldn't have been surprised if I also uh, fell with the group last week had I survived the two weeks ago. Andy, very interesting here with regard to the Survivor Contest. Let me ask you one quick question. You mentioned 111 people on the Dallas Cowboys, and that seemed a little bit small to me. Uh, given the fact they were a double-digit home favorite, very popular team playing really good football. Why would you think that there were only 111 votes? Would it have something to do with people saving them to perhaps Thanksgiving week or the fact that they may have used them earlier? Uh, you touched upon both reasons. I would think the probable, probably the major factor would be that they were saving them uh, for Thanksgiving Day because, remember, you've only got six teams to choose from on Thanksgiving Day, and you don't know how many of those teams will still be alive. So uh, you figure Dallas being at home, and especially the way that they've been playing since that opening week loss where they nearly beat Tampa Bay, uh, was going to be a substantial favorite and certainly a very popular pick. So uh, those who were waiting to save Dallas and didn't use them in a very favorable spot last week uh, are being rewarded to the extent that uh, uh, they avoided the loss, but but also reduces by one and perhaps even the most popular, what would have been the most popular choice on Thanksgiving. And then, yes, of uh, the, the uh, secondary reason you mentioned is that the Cowboys might have been used earlier uh, this season, but uh, I, I would expect that probably 75% at least of the people who have not used Dallas were saving it for uh, uh, Thanksgiving Day. And of course, uh, if they made the decision not to use Dallas, they can still use the Cowboys on Thanksgiving Day because uh, the Cowboys were eliminated from the survivor pool last week, but not eliminated from the NFL. There you go. <laughs> That's Andy Isco joining us from Las Vegas with a review of all the major contests in Las Vegas. And Andy, if you do the honors, and uh, share with our listeners out there the look-ahead lines that uh, were put out by the Westgate for next week in the National Football League. Okay, Mark, that would be week 11. That begins on Thursday, November 18th, a week before Thanksgiving Day. The uh, Thursday night game, the New England Patriots are at Atlanta in an interconference matchup, a rematch of uh, the Super Bowl from a few years ago. And let's see what Atlanta can do uh, if they're able to get the lead on the Patriots this time. However, the Patriots are four-point road favorites in that game with a total of 46. Sunday, November 21st, Detroit at Cleveland. Cleveland, a 10-point home favorite with a total of 46 and a half. The San Francisco 49ers, five-and-a-half-point road favorites at Jacksonville with a total of 47. The Buffalo Bills, seven-point home favorites versus the Indianapolis Colts. That's a total of 50. Uh, Miami at the New York Jets. The Dolphins, two-and-a-half-point road favorites with a total of 45-and-a-half. Washington at Carolina. Uh, the uh, I guess that's the Ron Rivera Bowl since he coached Carolina, now doing a fine job in Washington. The Panthers, two-point home favorites with a total of 43. And, of course, uh, the uh, 
Panthers have some quarterback issues to deal with as uh, Sam Darnold out for uh, several weeks. And you wonder if that might be where uh, Philip Rivers uh, shows up. His uh, name has been in the news uh, over the past few weeks, going back to his comments over the summer that uh, uh, once his uh, kids' uh, high school football season was over, he would entertain some ideas. So maybe Carolina will be the landing place. For right now, the Panthers, two point home favorites over Washington, total of 43. Baltimore Ravens, six-point road favorites at Chicago with a total of 45. New Orleans at Philadelphia. This game is currently a pick'em, total of 43 and a half. Another double-digit favorite as the Tennessee Titans host the Houston Texans. That uh, 10-point favorite with a total of 46 and a half. Green Bay in a divisional matchup of the uh, NFC North at Minnesota. The Packers, two-point road favorites with a total of 50 and a half. Cincinnati out here in Las Vegas to take on the Raiders. That game has been a pick, or is a pick, total of 48 and a half. An NFC West matchup, Arizona at Seattle. The Seahawks, one and a half point home favorites with a total of 50 and a half. Dallas will be at Kansas City. Uh, A few weeks ago, this might have looked like a potential Super Bowl matchup. Well, Dallas, despite last week, certainly on a path. Kansas City, not quite so much. Nonetheless, Kansas City, a a two-and-a-half point home favorite with a total of 52-and-a-half. The Sunday night game, Pittsburgh at the Los Angeles Chargers. The Chargers, three-point home favorites with a total of 48-and-a-half. And Monday, November 22nd, the Giants are at Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay, the biggest favorite of the week, favored by 12-and-a-half at home with a total of 51. That's a look at the look-ahead lines from Andy Esco from the Westgate Superbook for next week's National Football League lines. And, Andy, before I get to your complimentary play on the show, of which you've won six of your last eight, I know our listeners are anxious to hear what that is, uh, you mentioned Philip Rivers possibly being entertained by the Carolina Panthers, and it would be a fit just given the fact that he did play his college football at NC State, so he'd be kind of back in the old neighborhood in that sense. And I don't know, I think he probably has a home in San Diego, but he may have family roots uh, in North Carolina or in the Carolinas anyway, so that would be interesting to see exactly how that shapes out. And uh, one other comment I want to make before I turn it over to you, Andy, we were talking a little bit earlier, and I don't know if you're going to get – is your play involving the Browns or the Patriots? Uh, no, it's not, although I uh, have been looking seriously at Cleveland in that game. I, I heard a little bit of what you uh, talked about during your discussion, and I think they got a lot of things uh, out of their system by releasing, by releasing Beckham, and I think we saw that last uh, Sunday because the Browns had not been playing very well in the weeks leading up to that game. Injuries were only a part of the reason, but sometimes that's been a festering situation, and they finally uh, rubbed that out with the release, and I think we're going to see the Cleveland Browns that we expected to see. My concern, of course, throughout the season has been whether or not Cleveland will be able to finally beat and close out a solid football team, which they were unable to do in the opener at Kansas City. They were unable to do it uh, when they had that back-and-forth game with the Chargers. And then, of course, they lost badly at home to uh, Arizona. So that remains a concern, but I think that that's more of a fundamental concern than an intangible concern, which I think they sort of alleviated uh, with the the release of Beckham. Uh, Just a quick note in passing before I give you the the stage for your game there, Andy. Our producer, uh, Jeff Gates, texted this to me, an interesting stat on what the Cleveland Browns were with OBJ and what the Cleveland Browns were without OBJ. With OBJ, the Browns were 14-15 and for a 48% win percentage. 
with that was with OBJ. Without them, he was, they were 9-4. and four. They won 69% of their games without OBJ. So you can see the errors cleared and why the Cleveland Browns are probably feeling awfully good about the fact that he's out sh- job shopping right now these days. Yeah, I, I, I would think so because there is that internal turmoil in the locker room where you're talking about a me versus us. That has to rub off on the other players, and he's been quite vocal about it and was a similar situation with the Giants that ultimately got him let go uh, from that organization. Now, of course, the Giants haven't had the same result uh, that Cleveland has had without uh, OBJ, but then again, the Giants have not had over the past few years the kind of talent that we've seen assembled in Cleveland. That being the case, Andy, uh, before we let you go, I'd like to know, our listeners would for sure, what you've got on tap for your complimentary play in the NFL this week. Well, I'm going to go with a total, and it's going to be a game where the status of both quarterbacks is somewhat uncertain, although both are likely to play, and that's the game between Seattle and Green Bay. Russell Wilson apparently looking good in practice. He's been cleared to play after that finger injury. We don't know how effective he will be. However, we do have Seattle coming off of a bye, so the entire team a little bit healthy. And, of course, Aaron Rodgers expected to clear protocol, hopefully on Saturday if he passes uh, a uh, – if he gets a negative COVID test, and that would enable him to play. Of course, uh, he's been quarantined, and you wonder how rusty he will be. But uh, the number that excites me about this game is just the fact that uh, both of these teams have been very strong under teams uh, throughout the season. In fact, looking at uh, the Seahawks, 7-1 and one to the under, the Packers 7-2 and two to the under. Now, that's nice to know, but you like to have some supporting uh, uh, evidence for that. And I'll take a look first at uh, uh, Seattle, which started the season horribly on defense. They were okay in their game against Indianapolis, allowing 4.7 yards per play. But then over the next four games, they allowed between 6.2 and 7.1 yards per play to Tennessee, Minnesota, San Francisco, and the Rams. In their last three games, which preceded this past weekend's bye against Pittsburgh, New Orleans, and Jacksonville, they allowed under five yards per play, including a very nice 4.2 yards per play against Jaguars, uh, against the Jaguars in a 31-7 win. So we've, we've seen a significant improvement after the first five weeks in the caliber and the results of the play uh, for uh, uh, Seattle. Uh, Green Bay has been a pretty decent team all year, and uh, they've had, um, let's see, it looks like uh, four situations where they've allowed under five yards per play, despite allowing more than that in about half of their games. But uh, last week against Kansas City, they held the Chiefs to 3.8 yards per play, 237 total yards in that 13-7 to uh, loss to the uh, uh, to the Chiefs. So that was a good effort out of a Green Bay defense that had been showing signs of gelling together. So I've liked that aspect that the defenses of both teams have been able to put up numbers. Again, I'm a little concerned about the offensive output of both Wilson and uh, Rodgers, uh, given the current situations and the time uh, that each has missed. Now, when I look at the uh, totals here, uh, Seattle this year, uh, they've gone over, the, the total in this game is 49 and a half. They have gone over 49 and a, uh, they've gone over 49 just once this year, and that was in their 33-30 home loss to Tennessee in week two, uh, where they uh, where the game involved 63 points. Otherwise, there was one game where they had 49 points in a uh, uh, 28 to uh, 21 win 
over uh, San Francisco. And their last uh, three weeks uh, against Pittsburgh, 43 total points. Against New Orleans, 23 total points. And against Jacksonville, uh, 38 total points. And the the profile for the... um, uh, Packers is not all that uh, dissimilar. In fact, they allowed over 49 points just twice this year. That was that was in weeks two and three. Allowing or, or they've been involved in games that featured more than 49 points just twice. 52 week two against Detroit in the game with Detroit. 58 the following week in their game with San Francisco. Other than that, they've not allowed more or they've not been involved in games in uh, uh, totaling more than. 47 points, and the last four weeks, their total points, their, their actual total points, 38 in the game against Chicago, 34 in the game against Washington, 45 in the game where they ended Arizona's uh, seven-game winning streak, and 20 last week against Kansas City. So you've got the scores, you've got the yards per play factor, which I consider extremely important, and then, of course, you've got the overall results. So this total seems a little bit high at 49.5. Wouldn't be surprised if we get the total coming down a little bit at the same time it might even go up a little bit if uh, once the status of Wilson and Rogers is known to be yes they're going to be playing Andy Isco goes under the 49 and a half points in the Seattle Green Bay showdown game on Sunday for his complimentary call on the show this week Andy great job on the show as always I'm going to wish you the very best of luck this week and we'll look forward to catching up with you once again next week here on Mark Lawrence against the spread Thanks, Mark. I wish you and all the listeners, Victor, etc., just a great weekend, both in the colleges and the pros. That was Andy Isco joining us from Las Vegas for the Vegas Vibe. And don't go away, guys. We're going to put the final wraps on the show when we come back. Victor and I will share with you our complimentary plays when we're back with more here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. If you haven't seen Andy Isco's The Logical Approach Football Newsletter, then you owe it to yourself to download this week's newsletter in time for the football games this week. Check out the new issue every week at TheLogicalApproach.com. See what winning football information is all about at TheLogicalApproach.com. We're going against the spread with Mark Lawrence after this. Attention sports fans, it's time to get in on all the football action at mybookie.ag. This industry-leading website is renowned for having the best odds and more betting options than any other sports book online. Get the odds you want and the fast payouts you need, guaranteed. That's mybookie.a as in Apple and G as in games. Tell them Mark Lawrence sent you. Only the biggest. Only the best. Only at mybookie.ag. Sign up today. To put a final spin on this week's show, let's do what Mark does best, his awesome Awesome. angle of the week. All right, let's get to it, guys. Our awesome angle of the week on the football show this week, and this is a beauty. We call it Not Again. And what we're looking to do is to play against any college football team that just upset a 7-0 or greater team in its last game if they're facing a 600 or greater opponent that's coming off a straight-up end points red win in their last game. So you've got a team high in the clouds after just beating a 7-0 and or better team, taking on a quality team, 600 or better, that comes off a confidence-building win and cover. By fading these guys playing against them since 1980, we are 22-3 against the spread. as an 88% awesome angle, and this week we'll be playing against North Carolina when they travel to Pittsburgh to take on the Panthers. Please note that game will be played on Thursday this week, so if you catch the podcast before Thursday evening, 
That will be our awesome angle on the show this week. And with that, let's turn it over to Victor King from King Creole Sports to find out what he's got on tap this week and your complimentary play for our listeners as well, if you would, Victor. Can do, Mark. The um, As far as Andy's play goes, I do want to back him up on that. In fact, in this week's Playbook Football newsletter, we have made the Seahawks Packers are under the total game of the week. That's on page 17 where we do the two-minute handicap over-under style. So we're in a complete agreement with Andy that the line in that game is a few points higher than it really should be. Now, uh, this week we've got our four-star NFL over of the week. It's already up on the website, playbooksports.com. That's for King Krill's four-star over of the week. We've nailed three of these in each of the last Sundays, and we think uh, that this game goes over the total. we got some great ammo behind it as well. And again, it's going to be available at playbooksports.com. And for this week's free play, we're going to give the ball to our uh, other doggy. That's going to be our Dachshund Monkey. And you know all about Dachshunds. They're very, very low. they got a low center of gravity, and they love to go low in NFL games. And Monkey's going to be going low in the Buffalo Bills-New York Jets game. Last week, Monkey was under in the Bills-Jaguars game, and you saw the final score of that one, 9-6, to six, no TDs. So this is a team that's been good to Monkey. She's going to stick with them. Bills-Jets under the total of 47.5. And, of course, the Bills are the chalkiest road team this week in the NFL. They're laying... Anywhere from 13 to 14 points on the division road. And it does not get any easier than this. Big division road favorites of eight or more points have gone under the total 75% of the time in the last 10 years, including three and 21 over under when the OU line is in the range of 43 to 50 points. That applies to this particular game. I just mentioned that Buffalo comes off one of these uh, 10-10 games an NFL game in which they scored and allowed 10 or less points. From the database, 1-10 over under in the last 10 years. NFL teams off a 10-10 game when the over under line is greater than 46 points. That applies to the Bills. Now the Jets, they're playing with a little bit of extra rest off that Thursday night game against the Colts, but that actually puts them in a really good under situation. NFL teams off a Thursday road loss, have quite simply gone 4-23 and over under in the last four years. It includes an almost perfect 1-17 and when playing off a straight-up and an ATS win. And, of course, the Jets did not cover in that loss against the Colts. Now, I know we're talking about a pretty bad Jets defense here. They've given up, what, 54 and 31 and 45 points in their last three games. With that said, though, the database tells us that game 15 or less teams who allowed 120 or more combined points in their last three games, like the Jets, have gone 2-17 and in the last 10 years when the over-under line is 57 or less points. I mean, I can't ignore the fact that Buffalo is the most improved team on defense this season, again, compared to last year allowing 8.4 points per game in 2021 than they did in 2020. 
They allowed 23.2 last year. That's pretty damn good. But now they're the number one scoring defense in the entire league. Only 14.8 points per game allowed. There you have it. we got to balance out our over-unders with an equal amount of unders and overs. That's what a sharp over-under better does. As you know, we like the over in the Browns-Patriots game, but we're countering that with monkeys play on under the total in the Buffalo Bills versus New York Jets game. We've got a four-star over of the week going in the NFL. It's already up at playbooksports.com. And I think Mark's got a big one in pro football as well. Yeah, that I do, Victor. Just uh, just to confirm that Victor is going under. He's going low with Monkey this week on that big Buffalo Bills Jets football game for his complimentary call. And don't miss out on that four-star over play of the week. He's cashed three straight weeks in a row. Available online at playbooksports.com. Before I get to my complimentary play, just a quick note that our friends at mybookie.ag want to remind you, you can get double your first deposit bonus when you log on at mybookie.ag and use the promo code PLAYBOOK. That's a double your first deposit bonus when you log on at mybookie.ag and use the promo code PLAYBOOK just in time for games this weekend. And speaking of this weekend, my featured five-star NFL Game of the Month will kick off on Sunday, and that's right on the heels of that NFL Perfect System play of the year last week when Atlanta upended New Orleans. It's all part of a $99 five-star football weekend of winners. Hop on board by logging on at playbooksports.com or give her office a call toll-free. The number is 1-800-321-7777 to get on board for our five-star NFL Game of the Month weekend of winners. My complimentary call on the podcast this weekend is on Central Florida as we grab up the points against SMU. SMU is in one of these nice roles that we like to fade these teams in. And what it is mainly is you have a bubble burst situation where a team started out 7-0 and or better, were favored and lost the game. They come back the next game, they're favored again. They lose the game. So now you had a team that was high in the clouds off back-to-back losses. The third leg of this venture results in a loss over 67% of the time. They still stay in that same funk. Using UFC, UCF, I should say, in this football game, they are 7-0 to the spread when taking single digits as an underdog in head coach Gus Malzahn. He is 21-3 straight up and 16-6-2 to the spread when he takes on teams that come in off a straight-up endpoint spread loss. Grab up the points with Central Florida for our complimentary call on the show this week. And that's going to put the final wraps in this edition of Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. I want to thank our co-host Victor King from King Creole Sports, our good friend Andy Isco joining us from Las Vegas from TheLogicalApproach.com. Once again, this is Mark Lawrence reminding you to always to remember to bet with your head, not over it. And good luck as always. <laughs> 